Witchy and Weird. I'm joined by another amazing guest. This time it's a duo. So today I'm joined by the Eckharts. They're seance hosts, mediums, and celebrity occultists obsessed with exploring what lies beyond the veil. Through their work, the Eckharts strive to share their love of the paranormal by showing that spirit communication can be exciting, mystical, and ultimately accessible to us all. In their seances, the Eckharts share some of their most impactful ghost stories, facilitate spirit contact through traditional techniques, such as crystal moving on a spirit board and demonstrate unnervingly accurate mediumship. Welcome. So hello, Kat. Hello, Dan. Thanks for having us. Hello. Glad to be here. Yes. So this podcast episode, I wanted to bring on Kat and Dan to talk about occult practices and mediumship because a lot of the things that we do are considered occult, especially if you consider yourself a witch. But I love the way that Dan and Kat, they just bring this mysterious like otherworldly essence to mediumship because in most common like new age circles it's like love and light and like you're like a hippie person or something like that you know and uh most people I know at least myself it's like oh horror movies like I'm into that kind of like a mediumship vibe so I'm really interested um if you want to share like your stories and how you kind of like came to this place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a meandering story that is still continuing, Um, but it started with, it's kind of bookended by the occult Mm -hmm. and an interest in the paranormal. Um, So I'll let you start, Dan, because it was really you that started all of this. Yeah, um, I grew up in a haunted house, and I think you can't exist within a haunted house without having, you know, some kind of bumping up against what does this mean? Uh, what does it mean to be having like paranormal experiences, especially as a child, especially as an adolescent, and then in a world or exist in a world where you have one of, or at least I had one of two options. And those options felt like they were either a kind of materialist philosophy of, well, there are no ghosts, there is no supernatural uh, component to the world. And there's a uh, very few options to explore there. And then another option, which was I was, grew up in a very, um, very kind of like evangelical uh, church, uh, conservative church family. And so, although, you know, fortunately, no one in my family ever came and said, this is all demons. That was the narrative. That was the discussion within like religious groups was like, well, this is all demons. And both of those options are terrifying because it means you're either crazy Uh, You either have some kind of undiagnosed mental illness um, or you are um, being dragged to the pits of hell by demons. And so I fortunately uh, found my way into exploring other options. What other ways to work with this kind of experience exist? And there are many of them. My intro to the occult came from a very non-occult book, uh, Mysteries of the 20th Century, but it was a Reader's Digest edition. And it had stuff in there about Crowley and the pyramids. And uh, Sounds very occult. Yeah, it sounds it, but it also was presented in this very like tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Um, and it wasn't until I went off to college then and really had access to a large, you know, um, university library Uh, with a lot of resources there that some would consider occult resources, some would consider commentaries. And then it became a process, process, excuse me, of experimentation and realizing that you could control these things or at least mitigate them. And just because you were having paranormal experiences didn't mean you were demonic or didn't mean that you were uh, crazy. And I use that term because um, it is, despite the fact that it's not, you know, 
something we want to call other people or continue to perpetuate the stigma of. Um, if someone comes up to you and says, I saw a UFO, everyone's going to say or think at least a little bit, is this person mad? And that's something we have to deal with. Yeah, that's so true. So Kat, what about your story? How do, how do you fit into this? Yeah, so the occult is, is the hidden. It is many in many ways the mysteries of the world. And um, I am Sagittarius, I'm not a Scorpio, but I, I've always been interested in the things that are, you know, more philosophical and less talked about mm. um, and the hidden things. So the, I slotted into the occult very well, um, especially in regards to spirituality and philosophy. So thinking about hermetics and kind of the first philosophy and principles that basically shaped humanity and shaped the major religions um, and how we see ourselves in the universe. So the occult was really just this hidden, I don't know, wonderland of topics and things to research and study and then practice. It's so wonderful to be able to practice these different things and experimentally try out magic and spells And it really has been a help for me in order to uh, live up to my highest self. And it's kind of also a something that's motivating and that's given me back some power in my life. So I didn't mean to, uh, I'm like prosthesizing for the (laughs) occult, (laughs) but um, I didn't mean to do that. But it's really something that I I love definitely right now. Nice. And it's funny that you mentioned like you're not Scorpio, you're Sagittarius, but the word choice that you use like experimenting and practicing, that's like very Sagittarius. Typical Sag, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm curious to know like how you both came to the conclusion of like wanting to bring this to other people. Like what like in your own studies, I mean, definitely you can hear from your stories, it helped you find who you are and find your place in this world and make sense of things. But I love that you have like a school where you teach people mediumship through using occult objects. So I'd love to hear like how that all came about. Sure. Uh, For me, it was this, this process of discovery that was kind of built out of um, the dominant narratives that I was exposed to. So between that dichotomy of everything is demons or it's all in your head. Um, that was echoed, not merely by, you know, a kind of church group of demons or scary occult figures and shadowy people behind the scenes. That was echoed by like dominant pop culture as far as like history channel, discovery channel. And I was very motivated to to present an alternate view of what the occult can be, what witchcraft can be, what magic is. Uh, So much of our understanding of spirits, ghosts, um, after the 1970s is based off of uh, the Warrens and the Warrens press and their um, impact in the pop culture, as well as their impact on Hollywood and um, ghost hunting circles. To understand the Warrens, you have to understand that they are like, um, they were proponents of a pre-Vatican II Catholic spirituality, very rooted in um, a traditionalist message of the Catholic Church, as well as a kind of dualist mindset that there's an infinite struggle between God and the devil. And uh, while you or I may not agree with that, or even people who are out currently today ghost hunting or uh, doing mediumship, etc., that kernel of an idea persists. And it was um, further built out by the satanic panic and the individuals associated with, you know, the, the neo-pagan revival. So when we're looking at people like Anton LaVey or <laughs> Gerald Gardner, even Crowley, who predates the, the neo-pagan revival, but certainly lived into a mythology of a scariness, of a tricksteriness, of a um, kind of heel for others to kind of bounce their own ideas Mm -hmm. off of. And I'm not decrying that, but it certainly has left us in a space now where people are very afraid of the esoteric. They're very afraid of occult figures, occult ideas, 
Um, and we see that, you know, ripple out even today, like politically with uh, various conspiracy movements who are certain that Satanists are behind the scenes. So for us, it was important to present an alternate vision, an alternate idea of what, what it can mean to communicate with spirits, what it can mean to practice magic, um, while still retaining the fact that you do need to be careful and that it's not all love and light and it's not all um, aligning ourselves to our, our purposeful highest good. That's important. But you can still um, you can still come up against some not so housebroken things, right? Ooh, you mean like entities, yeah, and deities, of course. And spirits of place. Like there, there is a bigger conversation um, in the occult and witchcraft that I believe many people are having right now. Um, and see, so we really wanted to be a part of that kind of a a conversation that takes into account other worldviews and anthropology. And um, there's even a scholar, Dr. Jack Hunter, who um, kind of invented or at least coined the term of paraanthropology, really mm -hmm. mending um, parapsychology and just understanding the different beliefs of human peoples throughout the world. Um, and often those understandings and practices had to do with occult, kind of occult things like, like necromancy. Um, and augury and divination, all the things that are really fascinating. So we really wanted to kind of be a voice in that conversation. Nice. I love that. So I have seen like in your school and in your practice, you use like occult objects often as opposed to like people who just are like use, I mean, even in my practice, I show people like how to use their own body. And, and I know that the objects are kind of like helping us to channel our magic into that so I'm curious to know for my own personal opinion too like what is your favorite like tool to use at least right now mm. it's a great question I don't even know how to answer that because um, <laughs> there are just there are so many and I think what's really fun about occult tools is that a lot of them have their own special um, purpose where they function really well. Mm. Like for instance, um, a friend of ours, um, actually um, the partner in the School of Occult Arts, Isabel Rizzo, um, she was the one who introduced me to the idea of using pendulums to really check your own self, check your internal states and really kind of communicate with yourself. And I find pendulums to be a great tool for that uh, among many. I mean, it yeah. has a lot of attributes. But then there are other tools like scrying mirrors where you can connect with different entities and uh, really have kind of a transcendent experience. For me, my favorite tool is the pendulum. I think pretty, <laughs> pretty pronounced. You can carry it with you. Uh, I carry it with me everywhere. <laughs> and as Kat said, I, you can use it to check in with yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's also an excellent example of a um, externalized tool. So often, especially when we're talking about mediumship, when we're beginning, um, when there's messages coming in, but they may not necessarily be profoundly evidential. Um, mm -hmm. There's this consistent narrative that pervades um the work uh that's like mm -hmm. oh well am i just making this up am i just thinking this is this just my own brain and being able to separate ourselves just a little bit from that conversation uh it, it has two effects uh, the first effect is that we can see something happening it's not just an internal dialogue mm -hmm. and the second effect is we can remove ourselves from that message so if the pendulum is wrong then it's the pendulum that was wrong. Mm. It's not me that was wrong. And that is profound because people, we get very hung up on our ego in this work. Uh, just a couple of days ago at a seance, um, I had a name that was coming through, Mina. And sometimes, you know, there are names that come through in a seance that feel, um, well, they feel like they don't necessarily pass the test of a skeptic, which is if the name Jane comes through, a skeptic could say, well, there's got to be somebody knows a Jane. Someone has to know a Jane. And when that name comes through as the medium, you can sit there with a little bit of um, like a little bit of reassurance that, oh, man, even if I'm just making this up, maybe somebody here will understand what I'm talking about. Mm. But when a name like Mina comes through and there's only 10 people sitting with you, you're like, oh, no, I don't want to say this. 
And I still have those. I still have that moment where I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to say Mina? Sure enough, that had a direct, impactful, evidential um, message that was tied to it. The person who was there completely understood, was able to corroborate additional details. And the whole time I was clinging to my seat being like, oh my, I've stepped in it. This is nuts. And it still surprises me. But with the pendulum, you can remove that. You can break down that barrier just a little and give yourself some some breathing room. Yeah, I love that. I love that metaphor. Like, I don't know, I guess it's less of a metaphor, but like using the tools to help you get past your own like trust issues in yourself and your lack of faith from like years of hearing that this stuff makes you crazy and things like that. So I like that, that point of view of like, that's why you use these tools yeah I've actually I teach my clients like the human pendulum so it's like Mm -hmm. using your body to do it so I love the the pendulum like I've seen some of your your students being like I carry this around with me all the time now it's like the best I feel like it's very empowering to be like I'm just gonna double check like I don't need to doubt myself Sure. And pendulums are great for um, uh, for casting circles or for clearing a room um, mm-hmm. energetically. So they serve a lot of different purposes. And like, it's one of those things that if you don't feel as though you can cast a circle mm-hmm. by calling on the certain guides you use or do a lesser banishing ritual to pentagram or right. don't want to carry your athlete. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> don't want to carry a knife around. <laughs> yes. A pendulum works perfectly. And it's it's that little bridge too between someone who's never encountered all this before and has this experience where the pendulum is moving. Um, It's easier for them to relate to and dialogue about than again, pulling out an athame and uh, carving the pentagrams into the four corners. I love that. So I'm curious, like what advice would you have for people who maybe like want to get into this more like they want to explore their mediumship but maybe they're a little bit scared um or maybe even if they have like religious trauma around this well i'd say to start with easier tools like the pendulum or dream work Mm -hmm. um i do find i think we both find that people are kind of communicating with spirit spirit more often than they think. Mm. So a lot of people will have significant dreams already. So if you're just kind of harnessing and trying to understand what's already happening to you, that can be a really useful tool. Plus you're following your own intuition Mm. and kind of the way that spirit is communicating with you already. And it's a way kind of a capitalizing on that rather than trying to reinvent the wheel Mm -hmm. and seeking out the sources that speak to the traditions you're comfortable with um, and even seeking out sources to traditions you're uncomfortable with and by that I mean specifically as someone who's come from a background where there is religious trauma and there is you know a lot of baked in like beliefs that I've picked up from a very young age Mm -hmm. I actually found that I got a lot of value from reading, um, you know, Christianized, and I don't want to say Christianized as in modern, but as in like historically Christian magical texts, because I understood the terminology. And even though I was like, I don't necessarily, this makes me feel a little uncomfortable. It allowed me to slot things into that worldview and do a little bit of healing around that. And then also seeking out um, texts which are very much uh, not aligned with that um, to kind of experiment as to what feels good. So a great example is the Golden Dawn as a magical system, as a ritual system. The Golden Dawn, it uses a lot of um, mystic Christian and mystic Jewish language. Um, As someone who's coming away from that tradition, I don't necessarily resonate it with with it that much. I actually use a a Celtic version of it because I resonate with that a little bit more. And I like the way that those terms are used and the way the God's names are swapped out. However, I don't think I could have jumped directly into the Celtic one without first seeing the way these things slot into my own original understanding of, you know, whether it was flawed or not. Uh, So it's, it's a matter of the occult is a constant uh, process of coming up against the things that make us uncomfortable and working with that in, in a hopefully a beneficial way at our own pace. Don't pour, don't push it. Don't force it. Yeah. Yeah. And around mediumship, there are 
a lot of different ways to develop your mediumship practice. And I would just explore. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to jump in right away with a program or a specific teacher. Just explore and you can follow your own intuition and see what is inspiring you. Yeah, what makes what, you feel good. What connects um, specifically within mediumship as well? There's always a, a, a rush. There's a real rush to get to a place of evidential mediumship. And that's mostly because of pop culture, because we see celebrity psychics and mediums on TV. And it also feels very irrefutable. It feels um, proven. And when we search through magic and we search through spirituality, we're, also, we're often looking for proofs, proofs that we can show other people to say, look, I'm not insane. This is true. And a lot of people get get um we found that a lot of people get uh discouraged when they don't have a spirit coming and giving them names and dates and locations and items but i like to point out that spirits we have interior lives and so do <laughs> spirits and if i were to pass away today there are even some things that despite being knowing cat for 10 years and being married for six there are some things about me that i have not told her that i'm not even aware of Things that are boring and mundane, nothing serious, but things that like we just never discussed because we're huge, infinite people. Yes. So why would we expect that spirits would be any less? Why would there be things, especially grandparents, great-grandparents, things about their lives that they never told anyone, that they're coming through and telling us now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of got that message actually like last week or the week before that it's like, because of all the ways that we see spirit and media and we're just like looking for like we want the wind to shift and the door to slam and the lights to turn mm -hmm. off and it's like really because we're all magical beings then it's very mundane it's much more mundane than that like you said like more often than not spirit is already communicating with you and you just don't realize that it's like oh I just all of a sudden I just felt like I need to pay attention to this thing and it's like that's spirit communicating with exactly. you and it's not it's not a big grand thing. So I love that. Like you've, you've kind of like created this, I guess, um, what is the word I'm looking for? You've created the solution in terms of like, if it's hard for you to believe, if it's hard for you to have faith and like using these tools, like this is a direct way for you to get into that. Um, so I really like ritual that. Is, that is what ritual is. It is the, the psychodrama, the extension of getting the subconscious uh, to conform to our will to, uh, or get, asking spirit to conform to the will. I agree with Crowley to an extent that I don't think we need, I don't think we need huge elaborate rituals when we get down to brass tacks. If we're trying to make something happen in the world or communicate with the spirit, I don't actually know how much you need the summoning circle. However, I do know that in practice, I need it because I need to convince myself. I need to have that drama around me so that I know that something is happening. Um, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask you about the importance of ritual because I know that's like a big thing in your work. And mm -hmm. like me as a psychic medium, I have some ritual that I do, but I always get lazy around doing all these big things. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that, that idea that it's like, it's really more for us, like the human person dealing with this, that it, even for me, I noticed with ADHD, like having a tangible thing to do, it helps my body get on board. It helps me focus. So it's like doing that big, like special thing. It, it tells my body now we're ready for this. Now I'm ready to communicate. Now I'm ready to be open to whatever it is. So I really love that. That's a really, um, I feel like it's a very profound take on what ritual is. I don't know. Maybe you've read so many other texts that have said that. But. <laughs> I, feel, I feel ritual is very important, even within, yeah. it's, it's very important within our seance work because we with- We were talking about it today. Yeah, we were talking about it today. <laughs> uh, within seance, there are expectations people have, um, especially today, like the spiritualist church is no longer a, a pop culture force. Um, in the United States. In the United States. I should definitely clarify that. <laughs> um, and in the U.S., most people's primary confrontation with seance specifically is through movies. Uh, most people who come to us, they, in fact, most people who come to us will attend a group mediumship reading. But when you say that we hold seances, they're terrified. They visibly recoil. They go, Ooh, I don't think I could ever do that. 
And in my mind, I feel that they're actually very similar. The group mediumship <laughs> reading and the seance, these are the same, but I understand the trappings and yeah. I understand the um, what people have kind of co-created. And so within the seance space, we do very much use ritual, mostly because we feel that it helps us get into a space for profound things to happen, but also because it's what people um they they need it to get yeah. into that space as well so there was an anthropologist and I, i'm afraid i've forgotten her name but she wrote a paper uh, 10 years ago i think that was all about how ritual was the key to magic mm. and i keep remembering that um because magic is so per- per- pervasive excuse me mm-hmm. and some people have said um everything is a spell and i like to think about that but i think ritual is something that can make it more successful and more powerful because it gets you invested um it can get your emotions invested through like poetry or um sometimes dance which we don't use very much <laughs> dan i don't use that yeah, at all right now um <laughs> but it really is helpful in getting everyone in the right space um, and everyone up to kind of the right vibration where we're going to be able to perceive spirit contact better, even perceive ourselves better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I can totally see that. Like I see this vision in my head of like doing any kind of ritual that you resonate with is a way to get like your mind body spirit to all like coalesce like into like I'm ready for this this is the thing that we're doing yeah that's Mm -hmm. that's really cool I can I'm just like seeing the vision like it's really cool (laughs) yeah okay so I'm curious to know like I know you've done so many different things and I want to know like what's a fun story or something you want to (laughs) share Yeah. Um, I think when we embarked down that journey of like the weird, um, we talked about this on a recent uh, interview about like high strangeness and the things that upon reflection and even in the moment are truly wild, but upon reflection, even more so because we don't quite understand why we reacted the way we did. Mm-hmm. I love that about paranormal, about magic stuff in general is the the way in which we behave in a way in which we didn't expect. And to me, when I hear stories from other people, like when we're consulting on a paranormal investigation and someone tells me that they behaved in such a way that like, it doesn't make sense to them. That often has a ring of truth to it that is hard to discount for me because we see it over and over and over again in the literature. So when you see someone talking about an alien abduction, for example, or a haunting, it's very often like I woke up in the middle of the night and something was at the foot of my bed. And then I rolled over and went back to sleep. And it's like, you wouldn't do that though. Like that's such a weird thing. And for us, that kind of high strangeness component um, in some of our work has been to me very exciting. So um, I often talk about the uh, Apports experience that we had in a... um, in a um, catacombs under a church. Uh, We were doing a seance in these catacombs and I had never believed or um, really put much stock into the idea of a spirit app work before. Um, I had two reads on it. One was that it was either fakery or that it was a metaphorical occult language Mm -hmm. because a lot of occult books are written in metaphor. They're written so as to avoid... um, avoid scrutiny or uh, add plausible deniability or to try and communicate the ineffable. And Mm. the best way to do that is poetry and metaphor, which is why so many occultists, as an aside, write terrible poetry. Symbolism. (laughs) Yes. Sorry. So we're doing this seance and people are feeling things falling on their head. Like, and we're in this, this, this catacomb system. So the ceiling is like this bare earth and the ground there's bare earth. And there's literally burial mounds with like skeletal remains peeking out of them it was very very charged to be there (laughs) highly energetically like wow we're all sitting in these um mid 1800s uh church pews that they had moved from the top of the church into this area for people to sit in reflection so you're on these like 150 year old wooden benches in this pitch black and when we brought the lights up 
the ground was covered in little red bits of glass, um, like sea glass, just worn down. And the pattern exactly matched the pattern of our, our, our lantern that we, it's red glass and we put a candle in there. Um, but our, our lantern was fine. Uh, it wasn't broken. And I could not make heads or tails of it because it wasn't there when we came in. Um, we didn't have access to the space. The space is managed by a local university. The security officer let us in. A security officer took us out. No idea how that got there to this day, except Spirit Airport. It hasn't happened since. It was only in that space. And it keeps me awake at night because part of me knows, ooh, it was afterwards. And you don't really believe in afterwards. And yet, <laughs> nonetheless, there it was. Hmm. I love that. Do you have a story, Kat? Or is that your story? It's okay. If you... uh, no, it's not. I, I don't like thinking about the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do believe when people tell me that they've had this experience. Um, coins is another common one that I have heard mm. people told me they have directly experienced and seen. I think what is exciting me right now is uh, the future because we are currently um, entering a time where night is growing and kind of it's time to start working with the darker things, the darker entities, um, including elves, who Mm -hmm. are definitely dark entities of magic. Um, And so we have a lot of upcoming uh, rituals working with them. Um, I have had some interesting experiences in the woods close to our house um, where Bigfoot was actually sighted in the 70s and yeah. the 90s. Nice. Um, and there have been UFO sightings. Um, in one of our TikTok videos, we actually took viewers up to the old flooded town from the late 1800s. So this is just a very liminally charged space. Mm. And I really don't hang out there after dark, um, partly because uh, we don't want to get in trouble and we're not supposed to (laughs) because we're pretty like uh, well-known in our community. So we don't want to be troublemakers as well, Um, at least if we can avoid it, which is difficult. (laughs) Um, But it just feels like this place is so alive. Um, And it is one of those things, like Diane was saying before, how do you describe an ineffable experience or a numinous experience? Um, and it is difficult because I could tell you I have heard things speaking, um, but how do I convey this? I don't know. Yeah. Mm, I love that. It's a relationship I'm excited to continue developing. Yeah. Yeah. I think like connecting to things that maybe we don't know the boundary or like their ability and, and all that yeah. stuff it's exciting very Sagittarius also <laughs> yeah, <love it. laughs> um so I'm curious to know because you mentioned about your like ghost hunting and things like that so what does that look like for you is that more of like you do it on your own and you're just like interested in it and you like share it or are you doing it like you know, I've seen the, there's places out here where I live in California where they have like, you can pay and be a part of the experience for a night in a haunted place and things like that. Yeah. Um, when we do most of our paranormal work, um, as far as investigation is concerned, we're generally consulting. So generally someone has questions for us about the space, about the history. We're brought in as adjuncts to ghost hunters using ghost hunting technology. Um, And as far as that work goes, I feel generally they're more interested in our energetic impressions of the space. Uh, But I've found a lot of them come with their own kind of preconceived notions of what they're going to find there. Mm -hmm. And they are more willing to hew to the technology than to the medium's experience. So the medium is there kind of as like an atmospheric barometer and to point out levels of high energy places that are worth pursuing or to maybe zoom in or connect with a spirit that comes through via um, uh, EVP or a um, uh, a Frank's box or a blob that's seen on you know an infrared camera. Uh, so we're often there to consult on that. 
Um, when we're contacted privately, it's generally people who have had like experiences with hauntings. In or... their homes often. Exactly. <laughs> and that allows us to get a little bit more into ritual, a little bit more into like effective um, mitigation of the issue, uh, banishment if necessary. Uh, it's much more, I think, holistic and much more is. Uh, encompassing. Yeah. Uh, most of the time when people contact, have a paranormal experience, they do contact like a ghost hunting team and they say like, oh, my house is haunted. Right. Uh, and often the end goal of that is either gathering evidence or crossing the spirit over, which is tricky. And there's a lot to like unpack there. Well, I do wonder because um, I think it was E.L. Tenney who said that paranormal cases have been on the rise or paranormal experiences. Yes. And I do wonder if most people just keep it under wraps mm-hmm. and they don't really know where to go or to who to contact. Yeah. And because yeah. it is pretty, pretty pervasive. Um, so I do, I do wonder, but we love, we love consulting on them. We love helping people out. Um, it's <sighs> helping people deal with this type of stuff it feels like we have all the tools available to mm-hmm. do so. Um, and not everybody does. So it is really, really lovely when people reach out and we're able to do something for them. And we're very thorough with it. Yeah. A recent example of that was a local company that had a um, haunting that we had been aware of for some time, a spirit that's uh, very, very um, part of the space energetically. And over the course of the pandemic, there was a lot of activity, a spike in activity. The spirit was very uncomfortable. And part of that has to do with the anti-structure of the pandemic, uh, the liminality of it. The building itself is a distillery and they stopped all alcohol production and went straight into making hand sanitizer. At the same time, yeah, at the same time, they decided to renovate a very old portion of the space and turn it into an office. So... Uh, They had a a lot of disturbing activity, cold spots, things disappearing, doors slamming, um, Mm -hmm. lights turning themselves on and off when no one was there. It reached like a fever pitch when people were actually calling the owner and saying, I think there's people in your space at night because they saw things moving around on the second floor. Uh, Very spooky. Uh, The owner got in contact with the paranormal investigation team. They said that they had crossed the spirit over activity continued. They contacted some mediums. They contacted a remote viewer from California. Um, Not a lot actually came of any of those kinds of interventions. And so finally, we came in and did a seance there and communicated with the spirit and found out, what do you want? Like, what's the matter? You don't normally act this way. We've known you for three years. (laughs) And the spirit revealed like, hey, I'm part of this space and this renovation's occurring and I'm afraid I'm being displaced. I'm afraid that I'm being removed. And so for us, it became a process then of working backwards and from a magical perspective. So we gave the spirit the attic, uh, it's the third floor. And we said, this third floor, the owner said, they're never going to renovate. We're never going to make any changes. You're up here by yourself. Is that amenable? They said, yeah, as long as we have the whole space. And so then we built them an altar, provided them an offering and the haunting activity stopped, um, became far more manageable, yes. the negative aspects stopped. <laughs> And we ended up getting on the front page of the paper for it because there was such like a visible impact with the, uh, the owners and they wanted to tell this story. But for us, that was a big moment of, oh, wow, like what we're doing has real huge effects, like not just for the owner, certainly, but also then like for the community, because suddenly there's this paper, there's this front page news about these people who came and resolved this. Um, So that's, that's been a journey for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, well, you kind of already answered my follow-up question was like, is it to help remove spirits? Like, is that what people mostly want? Or do they just want to understand like what's going on? Because I've, I've done like spirit removal before too, but for like someone in their own home. And I feel like when you're going into these bigger places that are historic, it's like, if you remove the the haunted part, like it's not as cool. It's not as special. Like that's part of the space. Like, you know, like what do they actually want from yeah. the outcome? Exactly. For Harriet, she was, the spirit there was very much of the opinion that it wanted to stay and it wasn't afraid of the beyond. It wasn't uh, hewing to any of these kinds of narratives. Like, oh, it doesn't want to cross over into the light. It simply wanted to observe the changes and live a life vicariously 
through the things that were happening in the space. And whether that's the entirety of Harriet's consciousness or just a tiny part of it, um, I like to say we're setting ourselves up for failure when we go into a space with the concept that this is a discarnate entity that needs to be crossed over. First of all, crossed over into what? And secondly, mm-hmm. is it even a discarnate entity? Most of the sure. most of the haunting consultations we have are simply like poltergeist mm-hmm. manifestations of anxiety, of stress, um, and helping people well, that is way more manageable than running in and saying, you have demons. Yeah, and I think you touched on something really important, Amanda, um, because understanding what's happening to you can often resolve a lot, a big part of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, like certainly it's inconvenient and you can still be scared even if you know what's going on. But I think when you give it some space and you learn about what's happening, that empowers people so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's like when I learned I could be a psychic medium, you know, I was like, oh, this explains like everything. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, there's an aspect to, to yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people come to us and they're like, oh, well, I had this experience when I was a kid and I didn't really know what it meant. And like this, something like this runs in the family, but I didn't really understand. And I'm like, oh, you're an intuitive, like you're a medium, you're psychic. Like, And you can start to integrate and accept that. And then the experiences become a lot less negative, Mm. generally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious to know, like, so you do like readings, seances, ghost hunting, paranormal like consultation, like, and now you're like, it seems like more in your personal, you're like exploring like those liminal spaces with other entities, like which of those is like your your favorite like what are you really like I guess I'm saying in the future like where do you see that going for you yeah wow um that's a good question as a Sagittarius they're all my favorite (laughs) (laughs) um but I think practicing and teaching and sort of getting people excited about all this stuff is where the future is for us. Um, And I really just want to show people like how magical this whole world is. Mm. And it doesn't so much matter how much that happens. It's probably going to be through ritual of some type. Um, We're probably going to incorporate readings or education in there. Um, But I think the important thing is just the magic and mm-hmm. sharing that with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people have different um, deities that they associate with, different schools of thought in magic. Um, and we certainly are not, as as I like came out of kind of a, a, a um, chaos magic perspective and cat mm-hmm. out of like an eclectic witchcraft perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a, I I don't ever desire to, and this probably comes from religious trauma. I don't ever really desire to come out and say, you have to work with so-and-so because they're the best. Uh, They might be the best for me, but um, I definitely find a lot of value in um, working with Hermes. Uh, That was something that really kind of uh, came into its, uh, came into itself for me in a surprising way. (laughs) Hermes has all these wonderful layers as like a crossroads entity, as a messenger, as uh, this element of commerce there. Uh, then there's communication, which is a big part of mediumship. Exactly. And then this relation to uh, Hermes Trismegistus or uh, this kind of like esoteric um, Hermetica. Uh, and then Hermes, the way Hermes crosses over into like Celtic mythology uh, is very interesting. So I would say Hermes is very, very valuable and something I like to work with. Uh, we do a lot of workings with Akati. We do a lot, in, a lot of workings with Ganesh. Um, but it depends really on what we're attempting to achieve as far as who we want to work with. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like coming into witchcraft, I, I feel like most people work with deities. And I was already a psychic medium by that point. And so I, I don't know, I just tried it and I was like, mm, I just prefer working with like aliens more. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been no, like, oh, yeah, so I love that you're like, 
helping people to see like there's all these things like you're basically like learning as much as you can to you know bring that to the table like this is options for everybody exactly and allow yourself to grow Mm -hmm. and and have different interests over time I think it's important to not get kind of stuck in one way unless you really want to be exactly we had a one person in our seance coven who has a really great like channeling experience Mm -hmm. and directly with something that kind of identified or felt more extraterrestrial than deific or uh, discarnate yeah and that was exciting uh, because to what degree are these things um the way they present themselves is always interesting to me especially as you like work through like goetia or um like uh, angel magic like the way these entities present themselves often tells us a lot about how we internalize ourselves and who we are um but it also kind of can direct a path and i i i really enjoy that element of the work i really like that like how we feel about ourselves is kind of how the magic interacts with us. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. yeah okay. So this question keeps coming up for me. Like most of my questions, they're just like intuitively, I just, whatever comes through. <laughs> and it's not like a normal question that I would ask, but I, I'm assuming it's for some reason, right? Um, <laughs> so I'm curious to know, like, what is your future? Like what future do you want to create around a cult? Like what things are you mm-hmm. trying to change or definitions or like, what do you see for that future with like the work that you're doing? Yeah. Wow. I love that question. I don't know if we've been asked that. We have not. So before. that's a really exciting like <laughs> thing to talk about. Cause we were literally talking about this on a walk before yes. we spoke. With you. Okay. That, that makes and sense. so there's, there's a you're real, there. like, you are there. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, we love um, scary things. Mm-hmm. We love that. We love the dark side. We love all that stuff. But we don't want people to be scared of the occult. Mm-hmm. Um, because it. I don't think it's really, it's not meant for people to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And so part of our work and part of the future of our work is going to be kind of making it more accessible because I do think a lot of occult principles practices are meant to be accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part of our work, but I also think um, just bringing back kind of the magic and there's this conversation around re-enchanting the world. Um, and part of that is just learning about all the myths and for us talking about the folklore and talking about the magical practices because just knowing about them can make your world kind of feel bigger and it can expand the way that you exist in that world yeah so for me I really want to see us explore more of the weird Mm -hmm. and I was afraid of that for a while I was very much of this persuasion and opinion that the way in which I presented the work, uh, the way in which we did ritual and mediumship needed to fe- needed to hew to acceptable pop culture outlets. Yes. Uh, it needed to that. look a certain way and it needed to be tongue in cheek is the wrong word, but aware of um, aware of other people's, it needed to be on the su- on the same side as the people who were viewing it. Not, and by that, I mean aware... Not too far out of the conversation. Exactly. Not too far out of the conversation. That's perfect. Okay. It needed to be in a space where someone, because we work a lot in uh, D.C., it needed to be somewhere where D.C. intelligentsia could sit down and say, I don't believe in any of this stuff, but hmm, something about this really like ticks a box for me. Mm-hmm. And I've really moved away from that at this point. I really feel like... Um, when we look at the big uh, and the uh, impactful personas who uh, really who really charted the course of magic, whether it be in the occult revival or the neo-pagan revival or in the satanic panic, a lot of them were very big, loud voices. Uh, they were very, uh, hey, I am, you know, I am the head of the church of Satan or I am a witch or I am, you know, the wickedest man in the world. And I want to say in the future, how can the Eckharts do the same thing, but be the opposite of it? How can we come into a space and say, we're occultists and there's a lot that comes with that, (laughs) but we're not trying to shock you or scare you. We are instead trying to like 
crack open this kind of materialist paradigm and play around with it and see what comes out the other side um, to really expose people to the high strangeness, uh, which is why Numinous, our upcoming retreat event, is something I'm so passionate about because Numinous is a place, probably one of the first places, where we get to do like the Eckhart's uncloaked, like all the weirdness, all the high strangeness. We're going to do a ritual for immortality in a castle underneath the stars. Like yes. how <laughs> over the top and weird can that get? And then what comes out of that? Like how will people's lives be irrevocably changed? That's what I'm excited for. Mm, I really love that. Yeah. I, I really like that future. Like I try and challenge myself personally, like in my business and what I do to keep being more and more weird. Cause yeah. it's like the fact that I'm just like, oh yeah, I talked to aliens. Like that's already like super weird for people. So it's like, just keep going, like do it. (laughs) So I love that. I feel that so much because we doing seances, we're always talking about like, oh, well, we we could do this and we could do that. We're so excited. But then, oh, people are already kind of a little scared when they come into a seance. So we kind of have to hold their hands through it. Mm -hmm. And so we're really excited to work with people who are, um, I think ready for the more weirdness. Yeah. And yeah. to be a point, a person who is challenging for people to engage for with. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean that in the best way, not challenging to engage with right. because they're it's obscure mean. <laughs> or mean or something like that, but who really um, the proudest or the, the best moments I think in our careers thus far have been the moments where people come and say, I didn't really believe in any of this at all and now there's suddenly this big shift in my life and it feels as though you were a catalyst for that um it's it's a huge you know responsibility to do something like that and to try and be that person but it's also really exciting to get to tell people like you yeah you talk to aliens and you know what's really shocking is there's like reputable scientific research being done on that sort of thing. There's reputable scientific research being done in the world of the occult, of psi phenomena, etc. Um, and a lot of people don't know about it because they're too afraid to bring it up. They don't want to talk about it. They're just simply unaware because it's not the vogue thing to cover um, unless it's Halloween. So <laughs> We want to be, I guess, perpetual Halloween. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can, I can see, like, I have this vision of the different places in which people start to come into your, your sphere, your universe that you're creating. And it's like with the readings and the seances, it's like, maybe I believed and now I'm, I'm getting there. And it's like, that's kind of like getting them up to speed with like current what's okay currently and then it's like okay now we're doing like retreats and we're doing schooling you know we're doing like mm-hmm. paranormal stuff like researching it's like that's getting them past that point pushing the boundaries so I really like that exactly yeah. thank you so my last question for you would be if you have any advice for people who want to delve more into the occult or maybe afraid of it um, like you said like part of your mission is to make it okay for people to make it something that you know they're not afraid of so I don't know if you have any dazzling knowledge you want to just sprinkle on this I don't know if it's dazzling (laughs) um but I think that you should go where you're intuitively led Mm -hmm. and I think that you should probably start off witch talk because witch talk can actually be kind of scary. <laughs> it <laughs> yes. scared me. Yeah. And TikTok has scared me, but that's for a variety of reasons. Um, but I think that there are a lot of good books and Llewellyn's is really not a bad place to start. No. In the magical discourse, we have a lot of um, propensity to kind of look down our nose at other sources or other types of practitioners or what have you. It's better or worse. It's yeah. better or worse. A uh, great example, uh, Mitch Horowitz, uh, the occult writer who is excellent. I highly recommend any of Mitch Horowitz's Mitch work. Horowitz. Always, always want to plug him because his uh, histories are excellent and he is a seeking practitioner who also is a researcher. So Occult America, his book is very accessible and fun to read. Yes. Yes. But he brings up this concept of like the way the secret for new thought is a perpetual whipping horse that everyone says, oh, the secret, that's garbage. Uh, Nobody should be reading that. And in reality, while there are valid criticisms of the secret, if you're looking for a primer on new thought, 
or looking for a, a, a way to get into the world of manifestation, you really can't go wrong by starting there as long mm-hmm. as you just don't stop there. And I feel the same is true for like resources like Llewellyn's. Um, A lot of experienced occult practitioners are sometimes say, oh, I use, you know, scarlet imprint or or what have you. And those are excellent resources. But discounting the basics, I think, is something that we all do. And we can learn a lot by revisiting those sources. Mm -hmm. Um, So whether you are interested in exploring ritual magic or exploring seance or exploring um, just druidry or the occult, looking through the beginner resources, again, even if you're an advanced practitioner, can really reveal things that maybe you glossed over or maybe you didn't realize were part of yourself. Um, So I, I love beginner resources. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea of like, start somewhere maybe yeah like preferred in the beginner stuff but don't stop there that I feel like sometimes people get stuck in that where it's like I've learned this and now I'm just taking this as my my one true like law and then they don't keep opening up and seeing all the different options and especially with occult esoteric stuff like there's so many viewpoints and if you're just looking at one then you're limiting yourself yeah Um, The biggest journey of the occultist, I think, is to have multiple ideas in tension and to be able to say, I look at the world like we're mediums. Dialectical. Yeah. So like we look at the world as mediums and we see spirit Mm -hmm. and the spirit model of magic is obviously we feel obviously correct insofar as there are spirits and we know this. Right. But then also we've manifested weird stuff through thinking about it. So the mental model of magic must also be correct. Uh, but they maybe they can't both be so how do we like how do we balance that or play with that or can they both be Mm -hmm. that is something that I think a lot of um, the journey of the the occult specifically is about Uh, how do we hold multiple ideas and in today's uh, age where discourse is key holding multiple ideas doesn't always seem to be the most popular thing to do Mm -hmm. yeah and I like that you brought up that there's a lot of science being done around these things And people write off anything that's like intuitive as like the opposite of science. But Mm -hmm. even what you were just describing, like that's basically the scientific method. Like you're telling people like, you know, keep learning, experiment, Mm -hmm. test theories, be open to this. So it's like a very like, maybe that might be comforting for some people who are like, oh, I'm more logical, right? Like (laughs) some of the most well-read people I've ever met are deeply involved in witchcraft, the occult, et cetera, and not just of occult texts, uh, but of philosophy, as Kat said earlier, and history and science, because it opens a whole world. You begin to wonder, well, if spirits are manifesting themselves physically, how are they doing that in a material plane? And like, what's the, what is the science there? Ask the questions. And um, if it's real, it will hold up to the questioning. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So um, how, where can we find you? What are you working on? All that stuff. Yes. So we are uh, on the Eckharts.com, the at the dot Eckharts for Instagram at the dot Eckharts for TikTok. Uh, currently, we're holding uh, group mediumship readings every month. We also have private readings available if you want to book special, like two-on-one time with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, additionally, we will be opening SOA for School another of cohort. Arts. Yes, yeah. the School of Occult <laughs> Arts for a new cohort starting uh, this month, uh, the month of November. But then it will be rolling admission. Yes. So uh, any po- anyone who's listening to this, if you're listening to this a year from now or two years from now, uh, you can just join whenever you like. I love that. Yeah, and we'll make sure I'm going to put all that in the show notes and in the right. posts and stuff. So I'll link you so people can find you. Um, and I just want to say thank you for being here. I know you have busy schedules in the other realms. So <laughs> thank you for being here. In well, thank you for having us. <laughs> Yeah, of course. And um, just want to say thanks to everyone who's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Witchy and Weird Pod. If you want to stay up to date on all the latest and greatest, follow us on the socials under Witchy and Weird Pod. And if you want to stay in contact with our host, Amanda, follow them on IG under Amanda Sakratov Intuitive and Twitter and TikTok under Amanda Sakratov. And if you love Witchy and Weird Pod and want to support all that we do, become a patron and get access to exclusive benefits 
like discounts on merch, bonus content, and woo-woo experiences. As usual, everything is linked in the show notes. Bye! If you love Witchy and Weird podcasts, support us by donating monthly for as little as 99 cents at anchor.fm slash witchyandweird slash support. You can cancel at any time and 100% of the proceeds go directly to the pod. Or if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation, buy Amanda a coffee at ko-fi.com slash witchyandweird to help fuel them while they record, edit, create, and upload content for the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your witchy and weird friends about us too. Bye!